I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. I've been laying off my begging recently, guys, but I'm back at it, so I just want to ask you guys to subscribe to the podcast, leave it a five-star rating, and if you really want to warm the cackles, oh, I'm sorry, the cockles of my heart, uh, give it a written review, and DM me and I'll send you a kind of cute sticker in the mail. I still have lots left, unfortunately, because no one's been writing reviews. Now that we've got that out of the way, updates for this week. I talked about last week how I'm so excited to try to read Jessica Simpson's book. So I went to this local bookstore that I wanted to support, buy it from a local bookstore. I'm so bad about just, like I said, either just not buying books and reading them from my library or ordering them on Amazon, which is not good. Support your local bookstores. Uh, but as I told Kenzie, I was way too embarrassed to go up to the people who work there and be like, hey, excuse me, um, can you tell me where Open Book by Jessica Simpson is there? And then be like, do you see all these intellectual wonder kinds we have? And you're asking about Jessica Simpson, Chicken of the Sea. So I was too scared to ask, but I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it. So alas, I have not read it yet. The Oscars were last weekend. I feel like I have to at least talk about the Oscars a little bit. I And like some of my favorite moments. So I liked Janelle Monet's opening. I think she's literally the most stunning person ever. I was saying that to Kenzie while we were watching it. Like she can rock any fashion, any hairdo. She's just stunning. And I liked that she was honoring the stub movies, but only if it was her decision. Because if it was the Academy's decision to honor the stub movies, like that's kind of effed up. Like you should have been honoring those movies like Midsommar and Hustlers and I don't know, all the other ones that got gypped. Oh yeah, Us. Us was an amazing movie. So yeah, I also liked how Natalie Portman honored the snubbed female directors on her cape. She's always been very vocal about supporting or not supporting the fact that the Academy never gives enough due credit to female directors. So I liked that and she looked beautiful. And I think my favorite moment, because I'm five, was when they did the Elsas from around the world and they sang Into the Unknown. I loved it. Everyone looked gorgeous. I liked how their dresses all went together. I'm an Adina Menzel fan. I think I've talked about it here before how we saw her perform Let It Go with Taylor Swift at a Halloween concert to date. One of my favorite concerts of life because there was just so much going on. Halloween costumes. It was great. Uh, And as I think I probably said before, her friends weren't that nice, though. So that kind of sucked. They made fun of us for being excited about Adina, which was not kind of cute. And I also love that Parasite swept it. I put it on my Instagram stories, how we talked about Parasite back in November. So if you listen to Kind of Cute, you're always ahead of the game. And my one issue with that was even though they swept it, none of the actors were nominated for a Best Actor or Actress Award, which I also think is messed up. And maybe, you know, the actors in that don't care as much. They're just like, whatever, this is an American award. But I just think, again, credit has to be given where it's due. And I think that's messed up because it's pretty rare for a movie to be nominated in so many categories and not have a single actor or actress nominated in one of those categories. Meh. My favorite acceptance speech that I saw, because I'm not going to lie to you guys, I didn't make it to the end. I definitely went to bed because it's a four hour long award show. I enjoyed Brad's Pitt's acceptance speech. I thought it was very sweet and from the heart and I liked it. But overall it was boring as usual. Let's be real. It's always pretty boring. And I was a little let down by our boy Timmy 
Chalamet's fit. I thought I was going to be wowed. I would have loved to see him in something pastel and almost period piece-esque. But alas, as Amelia Petrarca, resident cut aficionado of fashion, said, I want greatness. I want a backless bodysuit and a diamond choker. I feel robbed. And I could not agree more. And hilariously, one of my friend's husbands messages me uh, after I posted a picture of Timmy and Margot Robbie, that whole meme that went around. I posted that on my Instagram story. And I just have to read the conversation to you. So he wrote, his attire was lacking. And I said, haha, agreed. I was expecting to be wowed. Him. He irks me. I then send a screaming in horror emoji, the one with its, you know, hands around its face, screaming. <laughs> and he then said, his confidence is irrational and he overacts. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, that might be true. But I just wanted to let you guys know that for me, it was good to hear that even you know, 30-ish year old straight men are invested in Timmy's fashion choices as well. I also love that Leo's 22-year-old girlfriend, Camila Marone, wore a Carolina Herrera wedding dress to the Oscars. Do we think she's dropping some hints to LDC? And I mean, wow, is he really settling down? He never brings his girls out and about like that. So who knows? All right, changing. We're done with the Oscars. We're talking about some dark shit now. Remember when we talked about the weird Sarah Lawrence sex cult briefly back a few episodes ago? Well, the cut, Hannah Gold writes that the father of the former Sarah Lawrence undergrad was arrested and indicted on Tuesday on charges related to targeting his daughter's college friends and indoctrinating them into a cult. He faces exploitation, forced labor, sex trafficking, and other charges, according to the New York Times. In the indictment, Ray is accused of subjecting his victims to fake therapy sessions in order to learn intimate details about their private lives, vulnerabilities, and mental health struggles, inflicting brutal punishments on them and laundering about $1 million from them, ABC reports. The indictment also alleges that the 60-year-old subjected his victims to sexual and psychological manipulation and physical abuse. And honestly, when I read the article detailing his past and what he had done, I was shocked that he hadn't been indicted on anything yet. So this feels big. It feels important. I don't know if this was brought on by the Cuts article. If so, wow, we're really hitting the hard-hitting stuff here, guys. I feel like I'm a part of something more. And on a much, 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 much fluffier note, our first article of the day. How Tall Is This Man Really? by Claire Lampin. If y'all haven't heard yet... Zendaya and Jacob Elordi have been spotted seeming couplish around New York City and other places. Zendaya is perfection, so if you don't know who she is, I don't know how to help you. But Jacob Elordi, I get that you may not know him. They starred in Euphoria together, which I've ranted about my love for on this podcast many times. The thing about Jacob is that in the two things I've seen him in, which is Euphoria and The Kissing Booth, he plays extremely sketch characters. Kenzie and I were talking about how mentally it is hard with his specific characters to separate the real Jacob from that. Like, I don't try to do that with actors. I realize that they are real people and that's not a fair thing to do. But for some reason, because of how, like, gross the parts he plays are, it's hard to not, you know, meld the two together. It's spooky. So, but this article is about how tall he is. And ascertaining how tall celebrities are is somewhat of a pastime of mine. So, obviously, this article spoke to me. And here's what she writes. 
Last week, two celebrated talls had a flirty day out in New York City. She capitalizes talls, by the way. They drank green juices, they took selfies. One tall appeared to have an especially nice time kissing the other tall's head. Maybe you saw the pics. They caused quite a ruckus. The talls in question being Zendaya and her rumored boyfriend, Jacob Elordi. Ah, to be tall and in love. It's all very exciting for the happy couple couple and for viewers of a euphoria but it does not answer my own burning question which is just how tall is this man keeping in mind that zendaya stands at about five foot ten he would appear to be i don't know like six foot seven taller and now you might be asking yourself why i bailey care but i think i care because actors are notoriously short do you ever feel like you're being catfished a little bit by it all like hello tom cruise so a true tall big boy is a bit of an anomaly in the acting world and with that said I think I'm already putting Jacob in the hat for the big boys of 2020 list so unsurprisingly neither Alordi's publicist nor his agency responded to the cuts request for comment on this very important topic which come on guys it's just a simple question can you just clear it up can you get the measuring tape out Damn, guys, I once listened to a whole podcast where the host tried to ascertain Jake Gyllenhaal's height, and she got him on the phone to ask him himself, and I believe he said was 5'11", like lying like every man in the course of history, because I swear, guys, when I was standing by him on the street in New York, I would have said 5'10", max, or maybe shorter. So honestly, maybe the mystery remains. And this, this... I guess as an aside, this article contains an Instagram photo of a person taking a picture at the Acropolis in Athens, and Zendaya and Jacob are behind him, and this photo was from August 30th, 2019. So were they actually together this long? Sort of heartbreaking, because Zendaya used to date Tom Holland of Spider-Man fame, which Zendaya, Zendaya was also in, and I really thought that they were super adorable, but alas, wishing her and Jakey the best. And honestly, this article ended perfectly summing up my thoughts because I always write my thoughts down like as I'm reading the article before I get to the end of it. So I felt like this, it spoke to me. Is this among the most unhinged fixations on which to expend about 700 words? For sure. Is it possible that all the reported heights listed above had had inches tacked on or shaved off for reasons known only to Hollywood, but which nonetheless skew all of my approximations? Of course. According to NPR, shortness may behoove actors. In general, a smaller bunch than you might expect, with men standing a five foot ten on average and women coming in at five foot five, because it allows them to play roles in a younger age bracket for longer periods of time. That might explain why people who look like they're thirty keep getting cast as sixteen-year-olds. Although it does not tell us much about a lordy specific situation. Anyway, after much consideration and weighing of evidence, I'm prepared to accept that Jacob Elordi is six foot four if we are measuring in extra long inches. Regardless, we're all very proud. And all right, guys, we're we're <laughs> going dark again. And this article is everything we know about the deeply suspicious doomsday couple by Amanda Arnold. Verge is one of the only people who sends me requests of what she wants me to talk about on the pod so what verge request verge gets and she leans towards the dark stuff which i've been leaning very into the fluff lately because i think that suits my personality i love fluffy obviously i love my true climb i like to get into it but when i'm sitting here you know having my martini which is what i'm drinking today i I whipped myself up a little blue cheese olive dirty martini it's pretty good if i do say so myself but yeah i like to talk about the kittens and rainbows of life so Thank you, Verge, for bringing us into the dark hole again. 
And let's get into this story because it is sad and it is scary and it is dark. And I'm going to start by giving you a little timeline just because this story gets super convoluted. So last fall, two children, age 7 and 17, their names are Josh and Tylee, were reported missing by extended family in Idaho. Soon after the children were reported missing, law enforcement went to do a wellness check on the children at the home of Lori Vallow and her husband, Chad Bell. Now, the Cut article doesn't explicitly say this, but I think the children are the true biological children of Lori Vallow. Um... And we'll get to why that is later. I'm guessing that they did this wellness check to confirm that the children weren't being held at the house against their will or anything like that. And that they were actually missing as reported by the extended family members. So the couple told the cops that the kids were living in Arizona, which bizarre. And the cops thought it was bizarre too. So they get a search warrant to search the house. But when they come back the next day to do the search, the couple is gone. Okay, just gone leaving their house behind. So fast forward a little bit, and the couple was recently found in Hawaii. Like, are they just low-key vacating while their kids are missing? Disgusting. And during this time, they were ignoring court orders to bring the children to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. Seemingly um, supporting the suspicious nature of all this, there is Security footage from a storage company showing Lori and a man who is thought to be her brother taking the kids' belongings to storage. And it seems like the kids' belongings because it's stuff like clothes, bikes, blankets, stuff you would associate with a 7 and 17-year-old. So another weird plot twist is that police found Tylee's phone with the couple and it had been used after the children disappeared or reported were reported to be disappeared. And so in October... Two small Venmo payments were made from Tylee's phone to a family member. And also, on October 25th, a text was allegedly sent from the phone to a concerned friend. Hi, miss you guys too. Love ya. According to the report, the friend found the text suspicious. To date, Chosh and Tylee have not been located. But this is where it gets even crazier, guys. Both Lori and Chad's, the, the you know parents, the couple, both of their former partners died mysteriously around the same time that the children vanished who chills right so Lori's brother the same one who seemed to be at the storage unit with her shot and killed Lori's estranged husband Charles Vallow like what so at the time detectives ruled that the shooting was self-defense and in August Vallow her children and her brother moved to Idaho where Chad joined them at the end of the month Then in December, the brother, Cox, died of what the Times refers to as unknown causes. Okay, so to keep all of this straight, Lori's ex-husband was killed by her brother, and now her brother is also dead. And on Chad's side of the family, there was another weird death. On October 19th, now remember, we've been talking about October a lot, like a lot of things are happening around this time. His wife, Tammy Daybell, died of natural causes, according to her obituary. And approximately two weeks after her death, Chad and Lori were married. What? This story just makes my skin crawl, and I hope by some grace these children are still alive. 
And just to add a whole other layer to this whole story, these people are apparently doomsday preppers. And Lori was drawn to her now husband because of the fictional doomsday books he wrote. So, oh, and I'm sorry, one last one last fact about this. In Charles Vallow's divorce papers, he claimed that Lori believes she is a God assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming in July 2020. Yikes, 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 yikes. So I looked into Daybell's website, which you can too at cdaybell.com just to see how freaky it is. And it seems like his most popular book is called Standing in Holy Places. So I went and looked it up on Amazon and here is the description on Amazon. In the near future, Tad and Emma North and their children live in a United States that is growing increasingly wicked. The Norse and their extended family notice that many Latter-day Saints are being deceived by alluring temptations, and they wonder how much longer the Lord will allow American society to continue its downward spiral. Then comes an invitation from church leaders for the saints to gather together. This invitation isn't well accepted and even openly mocked, but those faithful, faithful church members who trust in the Lord soon find themselves accomplishing monumental tasks. Join these humble yet heroic saints as they embark on an unprecedented journey to New Jerusalem. The Great Gathering, the first novel in the Standing in Holy Places series, paints a vivid picture of exciting prophesied events that still must occur before the second coming. If you have an interest in what awaits the members of the LDS Church, this series should definitely be on your reading list. So if you aren't familiar, LDS is basically followers of the Mormon religion, and I guess this book is really popular with the LDS sect. And I find it fascinating that this isn't one of like what I think of as a typical doomsday prepper who's maybe you know worried about a nuclear bomb or something like that but this is more like rapture religious doomsday and when I was young my aunt made me read these books about the rapture they were like YA rapture books and that shit effed me up like oh those books I wish I could remember what they call, were called if anyone remembers let me know because they were pretty popular and there's a whole series and shit was wild and I like did not understand it was talking about the religious uh rapture because I am not that <laughs> religiously educated to be honest Whew, okay, so I feel like I need a shower after all of that. And now we are going to pivot, pun intended. Damn, imagine if you were part of the cast of Friends by Kelly Conaboy. First off, I love that this article is categorized under You'd Be Rich by the Cut, which is, yes, yes, very true. Uh, and full disclosure, I've probably seen two full episodes of Friends, and I used to wander in and out of my parents watching it, but I am not someone who is a super fan or really a fan at all, if I'm being completely honest. And is that sacrilegious of me to say for a pop culture podcast? Maybe it is, but I'm just telling you all the truth. But this article still spoke to me because of what Kelly discussed, and she writes, But what I'm thinking, and what I'd like you to know, is that the amount of money each member of the cast is rumored to be receiving for their participation in this hour-long unscripted reunion special ranges from $2.5 million, according to the Wall Street Journal, to as much as $4 million, according to Deadline. And sorry, I think I just segued into that too quickly, but she's talking about how apparently it's confirmed that the Friends cast is doing a reunion on HBO and those are the amounts that it is rumored they are being paid. So she writes, maybe you'll go out to dinner later and order whatever you want. A couple of the Andres, whatever sounds good. Another cocktail just to taste it. Kale chips for the table. Why not? Uh, and she writes, of course, I'd like to note again that acquiring that sort of wealth should not be allowed for anyone as it is morally unjust and evil. But damn, can you imagine? 
First off, I have to say, Kelly is not dreaming big enough. I already go out and buy the entrees, the apps, the cocktails, the kale chips, because I'm irresponsible. So what I'm posing to you is for us to all really imagine. And one of my favorite games to play is an imagining my ideal day with no rules, like no rules regarding time or who or what I have access to and no moral considerations and just getting to be as selfish as possible and just imagine how that would play out. It's sort of part of my manifestation practice. And I also like posing this question to my friends because it's very psychologically interesting. You can really get in someone's brain this way. So just to give you like a little gist of what my day would be like, we won't do it, you know, all the way through, but let me tell you, it would definitely involve some Mediterranean islands, either Spain, Italy, or Greece, like an aisle off this edge of one of those, a really fresh, delicious breakfast brought to me in bed or on my balcony overlooking the Aegean Sea. It would involve spa time, massage, and facials, a full body rub down, probably like floating in one of those little eggs because I've never done that before. I would have a pit of puppies delivered to me that would crawl over my entire body. I'm most likely it'd be like, it would be like a ball pit of Pomeranians. That's what I imagine. Um, I'd go shopping and just buy a few Chanel bags, you know, nothing too serious. And then I'd go to a Walmart and I would buy everyone's layaway things. Uh, no, actually, I wouldn't go to the Walmart because that's disgusting. I would just call them because I'm rich. So obviously, I wouldn't be going to Walmart in this situation. Then I'd buy my family's tons of extravagant gifts, but it'd be more like experiences. And it would just be like a whole year planned out of everything we were going to do together. Then my lunch, that would just be before lunchtime. And then at lunch, I would have like an incredible uh, let's see, I think like a cacio e pepe and just like a really like beautiful salad, a dirty martini, but also five margaritas. And at each meal, there'd be lots of natural wine with the coolest labels for me to pick from. And then I'd maybe visit a vineyard and like lay in the grapes, stomp some with my feet. I'd go back to the puppy pit. Uh, then I would, and this whole time, I would be with everyone I love, which is like four people and um, celebrities of my choosing. Like I'd have a different celebrity for each time. Like sometimes I think I have like a fun celebrity girlfriend like Zara Larson and she'd be hanging out with my friends. Then someone like, I don't know, you know, Harry Styles would be there all day because I'd be married to him. And then for dinner, I would have to have like the freshest like Euro dreams of sushi, sushi situation, a little sake nightcap. Um, I'd have a intimate concert, but not private because that freaks me out on The Bachelor when they do that freaking private concert group. Ooh, ooh. Um, I could keep going, but I will spare you the details. But it's fun to dream, you guys. Just imagine your ideal day. Tell me about it on Instagram at Bailey Evan. And with that, let's get into our legit shit. So with Valentine's Day coming up, I th- thought you might want to show appreciation for your loved ones, your gal pals, your family, your dog, whoever you're with. And so I'm sharing with you my most favorite, my most easy, my most delicious recipe. And this comes from John and Vinny's in LA. If you are out there and have a chance to go, I definitely recommend it. I recommend getting a lunch reservation. It's easier to get. It's more low key. And it's all the same menu. And there's a recipe that replicates the John and Vinny spicy Vucilia vodka and it's on Bon Appetit and I'm linking it in the show notes of course you can always find links to the articles I discussed and my legit shit in my show notes and yeah it's just a great 
recipe that is super easy and you can recreate it and it tastes really close to the one at John and Vinny's. I'd say the only difference is that they have like their own in-house pasta. So depending on what pasta you're using, it might be like a slightly different, but And I think sometimes they use a little bit higher tomato paste ratio to cream than what the recipe calls for, but it's delicious. I just don't know what else to tell you. It'd go great with the crisp salad I was talking about earlier and a chocolate cake. Ooh, like a chocolate frosted yellow cake. Oh, ooh, I'm hungry. Okay. What more can you ask for on VD? I will see you next week, guys. Bye.